If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Some of you just received a new Bible about five minutes ago. Those you were saved last Wednesday. That's a blessing. If we didn't have church for anyone but the ones that got saved and got assurance of their salvation, it'd be worth having church for. Amen? And we got a special a couple of special urgent prayers. I forgot to request prayer for Brother Gary Brewer. He's having surgery tomorrow and Hamilton Medical Hospital. And also Robert Oglesby has been rushed to the hospital. He was uh, had an accident on his job. I think it's fire job. I think it's burnt. And so Miss uh, Miss Janet left the service to go be with him. And so you pray for him. I don't think it's anything real serious, but it still burns. And and so he's going to the hospital, probably Gordon Hospital. So uh, pray for Brother Robert. We'll, we'll pray for him in just a minute. And Brother Gary. Let's pray for our vice president to have uh, wisdom tonight because this uh, Harris lady, I can't get out. I can't get out of my mind uh, her performing a ceremony for two men to be married, and I don't think God's pleased with that at all. And uh, she's one heartbeat away from being president, or one shot away from being a president. And so is uh, um, you know the vice president we have now. And so uh, it's it's an important it's an important thing to realize is that we need to pray for not only the president but for the vice president and the. Uh, presidential candidate and the vice president candidate. Amen. Without being political, I'll be biblical and say Amen. that it's uh, abomination to God for men to marry yeah. men and women to marry women. Y'all don't know that. Y'all are probably in the wrong church. Amen. Yeah. You don't know that by now. You know, it's uh, one man, one woman for a lifetime is God's perfect plan. And um, we need to go by the book. That's why our nation's in such a shape it is now. And so let's really pray that God would confound the unwise and give wisdom to the wise. Amen. Those that go by the book, go by the Bible, those that have been saved. Amen. All right, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. I've been preaching on the Savior-sensitive church for the last two weeks. It's been kind of negative, but I'm glad it was negative because uh, two people got saved uh, as a result of it and two got assurance of salvation. You know, when you preach the truth, God honors it. And, you know, when you preach against sin, God honors it. And so thank God because the remedy of sin is the Savior. It's not another program. And it's definitely not another politician. It's the Savior. Amen. My hope is not in the White House. My hope is in God's house. And that's why I'm here tonight. I want to hear from God's Word. I want His Spirit to touch my heart, my life. And I believe we left off at about verse 7 of second, or 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. I'm going to give you time for you new converts to find that in your Bible and study right along with us, at least read with us. You're our honored guest. We just thank God we've got new brothers and sisters in Christ. That makes me smile on purpose, amen? makes me smile when I feel bad just to realize people are getting saved, saved, saved. Thank the Lord. Don't ever get over being saved. You ought to think back to the day you got born again. And the, and, and the minute before you got born again, if you'd have died, you'd have went straight to hell or missed the rapture. It had been terrible. But God saved you by His grace and His mercy, and you ought to never get over it. So let's stand on the Word of God. I'll read uh, beginning with verse, uh, uh, let's just go back to verse 6. It says, Nor of men sought we glory. You with me? First Thessalonians chapter 2. Nor of men sought we glory, neither of you, nor yet of others, when ye might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ. 
Now he's validifying his character because they're trying to slaughter it. They're trying to totally get rid of Paul so that the church of Thessalonica uh, will go down and the church of the living God will go down, always going after the man of God. So he said, nor sought we glory, neither of you. Look at verse 7. But we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherith her children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because we were dear unto us, because ye were dear unto us. What a pastor's heart. It says, For we remember, brethren, our labor and travail, for laboring night and day, because we would not be chargeable unto you, any of you, we preached unto you the gospel of God. Verse 10, 1 Thessalonians 2, listen to this. Ye are witnesses in God also. When God witnesses, business picks up. How holily and justly and unblameable we behaved ourselves among you that believe. For you know how we exhorted you and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children. That you would walk worthy of God who has called you into the kingdom and glory. And this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when, when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men. This is very important. But as it is the truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. For ye, brethren, became followers of the churches of God, which is at Judea, are in Christ Jesus, for you were suffering like things of your own countrymen, even as I have of the Jews, who both killed the Lord Jesus and, and their own prophets. Talking about the Jews now. And having persecuted us, they pleased not God and are contrary to all men, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles, that they might be saved. Fill up their sins always, for the wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. But we, brethren, being taken from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavoring more abundantly to see your face with great desire. He had to run for a while. And therefore we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once again, but Satan hindered us. Well, what is our hope our or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye? in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming. For ye are glory and joy. You may be seated. Father, thank you for this prayer. And Lord, we do pray for Robert, that you would uh, be with him as he's been rushed to the hospital, as he's burned on the job, uh, injured. Lord, we don't know the whole story. We pray that you'd be with Miss Janice. She makes her way down there. Lord, I pray, dear God, that you'd be with Brother Gary Brewer as he has surgery tomorrow and God, be with our vice president. Give him wisdom, uh, Lord, in this debate tonight. I pray, dear God, that you'd help us realize that we can declare the Word of God. We don't have to debate it. It's the infallible, inerrant, life-changing Word. And God, thank you that we don't have to uh, have a party here. We don't have to have a rock and roll concert. Uh, we don't have to have a praise team for you to be pleased. God, you're pleased by the foolishness of preaching. That's what the world calls it. God, you call it wisdom. And so, Lord, give us wisdom from on high. Give our country wisdom to turn back to you in these last days before it's too late. And God, give us a ministry of character. God, I think this church has a ministry of character. And God, may we keep that 
reputation. But God, may it be in your eyes pleasing all that we do, all that we say, all that we are. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to notice chapter 2 as a whole as we study through the book of 1 Thessalonians. That Paul's ministry is under constant attack, especially his character. And I want to say this, you ever try to do something for the Lord, the devil's going to try to accuse you because he's the accuser of the brethren. But also devilish people accuse you, fleshly people accuse you, and carnal people will accuse you, and religious people will really accuse you. And that's what was happening to Paul. Many were, had slanderous statements being made about him by his enemies, discrediting uh, his work, his ministry, his influence. And so Paul had to take a chapter, not to defend himself, but to defend his ministry, to recount and to recollect that uh, he tried his best to have a ministry that was of high character and that was for God's glory, and it wasn't one of manipulation, as we preached on the last couple of weeks, and of entertainment and for uh, fanfare and for pride and vainglory, but it was for the preaching of the gospel. And so the very first verse, we see that his ministry was public. That means he entered in, uh, and they knew it very well, that he had nothing to hide. He says, for yourselves, brethren, know our entrance in, into you that it was not in vain. Thank God for that. Folks, he was a public figure, but he wasn't just there for the public. He represented the Lord Jesus Christ. He preached the word of God, and he gave his life as a martyr because he was a called out person, called an apostle for the Lord Jesus Christ. Then his ministry was productive. Look in verse 2. It says, even after that, we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as you know, at Philippi. And that's recorded in Acts chapter 17. And uh, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. Paul and Silas was put in jail. They were on death row. For what? Preaching the gospel. And folks, he said it's not in vain. So folks, it wasn't hunky-dory at all at Philippi, it was very, very contentious, and it was very, very dangerous, and they treated him shamefully, and they entreated him uh, uh, with disdain, and he suffered physically, uh, beat more times than our Lord was beat, in jail and, and starved and, and uh, in nakedness and peril. If you want to see it sometime, read 1 Corinthians chapter 11, the list of what he went through for the gospel's sake. And then his ministry was persecuted, as we said in verse 2, it says they, were, they suffered, and the suffering refers to physical abuse, and, the, and they were mistreated. It refers to public disgrace. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 16, and look at verse 16 through 24. Acts chapter 16, and this is what he was referring to as he just came from Philippi. And the Philippian jailer got saved, amen? But Acts chapter 16 and look at verse 16, Acts 16, 16. The Bible says, And it came to pass, as we went to the prayer, a certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination met us, uh, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying, or in it for the money. And the same followed Paul, verse 17, and us, and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, showing to us the way of salvation. This did she many days, just right on their heels, barking all kinds of insults. 
demons accusing Paul and Silas. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the to the spirit, not to the uh, the devil, uh, not to the lady, but the demon possessed, the demon. I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And she came out at the same hour. Now don't get caught up in this Halloween stuff thinking that there's just demons and ghosts and devils are all made up. There are real devils and they're real demons. And folks, listen, there's a real spiritual warfare going on. Look at verse um, 19, Acts 16. You with me? Acts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, Acts. It says in verse 19, when her master saw that the hope of her gains were gone, they caught Paul and Silas, drew them into the marketplace and to the rulers. Verse 20 says, they brought them to the magistrate saying, these men being Jews do exceedingly trouble our city. So I want to tell you something, righteousness is a, is a, exalts a nation, but sin is reproach to any people. And when you try to live right for God, your friends are not going to like it. Just because you got saved last Wednesday don't make you the most popular person, except probably in this church. The folks in the world will try to bring you down, test you. Don't fall, don't fall. Uh, be strong. And when you fall, get back up. It says, in, and it says, and teach customs, verse 21. They're not lawful for us to receive, neither observe being Romans. Verse 22, and the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. Think about that. All they were doing was witnessing, and they got beat up. Nobody likes to get beat up. I forget one time when I was in the seventh grade, um, I spoke to the wrong girl. And this guy named David Allgood, right in the middle of the hall, right in front of the, right in front, and we were we were good friends, were good friends. He pole cold me with a right right hand, about knocked me out, and then I was going to get him, and I, I looked, and there was a principal coming out the door. So all I could do was smile. And folks, I'll tell you what, these people were not beat because they spoke to somebody's girlfriend; they were beat because they spoke for God. Amen. Come on, young people, listen to me now. I won't be long if you'll listen. And look at this. In verse 23, the Bible says this. And when he, they had laid many stripes upon them, that was this cat of nine tails, leather straps, metal and bone and, and uh, uh, glass embedded in those straps. And they whipped them for being a Christian. When they had told, uh, laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. Who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. Here, were, here they are, Paul and Silas, in the jail, beat half to death. And so they began to sing at the midnight hour. And thank God an earthquake took place in verse 26. They started praising God in verse, verse 25. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and Sing praises to God and the prisoners heard them. How many of you praise God for getting beat up? How many of you get praise God for getting locked up? Here's the men of God that were praising God anyway, and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundation of the prison was shaken. Immediately all the doors were open. Everyone's bands were loosed. All of a sudden the stocks came off. And the keeper of the prison awakened out of his sleep and seeing the prisoners' doors Open, he drew out a sword that he would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. It was a death sentence for any Roman soldier to let the prisoners go. So he said, I might as well kill myself because they're going to kill me for letting Paul and Silas escape from this jail. 
But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. And he called for a light, sprang in, and came trembling, and fell down before Paul and Silas, and brought them out, sir, and said this, Sirs, what must I do, do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. He went home, won the whole family to the Lord. Isn't it great when a family gets saved? And I want to tell you something. You're a witness, young people. You can win your daddy like I won my daddy. He was an, he was an alcoholic. Burnt the house up, wrecked the cars. You know something? I almost gave up. But he got saved. He only lived seven years. But he went to heaven when he was 69 years old. That's how old I am. That's how, old my, that's how long my daddy lived. That's how old I am. I want to tell you something, friend. There was a ministry that was productive because this Philippian jailer got saved in his whole household. There was a ministry that was persecuted. They were suffered physical abuse, and they were mistreated. You go to Acts chapter 17, verse 5 through 7. Look at this. But the Jews which believed not moved with envy took to them certain lewd fellows of baser sorts. You know what that is? That's people who wasn't even saved. And uh, it said, lewd fellows of baser sort and gathered a company and set all the city on an uproar and assaulted the house of Jason. And sought to bring them out to the people. And found them not. They drew Jason and certain brethren to the rulers of the city, crying, these that have turned the world upside down come hither also. And so folks, we see they were making a difference. The Bible says whom Jason had received and these all do contrary to the decree of Caesar, saying that there is another king, one Jesus. That was their message, Jesus. Jesus is the king. Jesus is the ruler. I hope our nation gets back to that. I doubt it will as a whole nation, but you can get back to that, that God should be your Lord and your master. So the ministry was persecuted. Mistreated means publicly disgraced, like Jason and his family. They were suffering, physical abuse, locked up in jail. And Paul's coming through this, and he's reporting to the, Thess uh, the church of Thessalonica, and he says, you know, they're questioning my validity, my character. Let me just hurry and say this, folks. His ministry was persistent. Because verse 2 says that after they suffered, they were shamefully treated, it says they were bold in our God. Let's go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, please. I won't go too fast for you. It says, and bold in our in our God to speak into the God speak of the you the gospel of God with, with much contention. Now, folks, he was preaching the death, the burial, and the resurrection. Hope you can listen for about 15 more minutes. But I want to tell you something, friend. The gospel is worth listening to, and the gospel is worth preaching, and the gospel is worth dying for. And the gospel is definitely worth living for. The death the burial, and the resurrection, resurrected Savior. That's who we worship. We don't worship a religion. We don't worship being a Baptist. We don't worship being a Jew. We don't worship being a Catholic. We worship Jesus, and that's why our ministry can be consistent and persistent. And it was pertinent. In verse 2, it says the gospel of God. Folks, anything from God is, is real and lasting and eternal. And then it was this plain. Look at verse 3. For our exhortation was not of deceit, nor of uncleanliness, nor of guile. So we didn't put up any facade, didn't try to entertain you in this place. 
didn't try to set up any kind of magic or any kind of signs or wonders. The gospel's enough. It's life-changing and it's life-saving. Say amen right there. That's a place to say amen, amen. So the ministry is, is um, pertinent, it's persistent, and it's plain. Verse 3 says they uh, didn't, uh, they preached, was not with deceit. Real obvious, real simple. Gospel's simple, but it's so sovereign and so life-changing. You don't need the deep things of God. You need the basics before you get deep in the Lord. So glad that there was 18 people showed up for our FBI meeting, and that's faithful Bible investigators. Three years you can go through the whole Bible and have a degree in Bible and know a lot about the Bible, and that's exciting. There's so many people responding. But I want to tell you something, friend. You need the basics, the basics of death, burial, and resurrection. Verse-by-verse verse study the Word of God will show you that. So it was a plain ministry. His ministry was transparent. It was truthful. It was honest. It was upright. It was noble. It didn't cater to the culture. Instead, it was holy. And it didn't lower the standards to get a crowd. That's what a lot of people are doing, Brother Lamar. They're getting a crowd by lowering the standards and having everything fit the people's menu and, and catering and making literally the congregation sovereign. I won't get into that. I preached enough on that last two weeks. I want to get to the positive part. His ministry was pleasing. His ministry is pleasing. Look at verse 4. For we, as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel. We're, stu we're stewards of the gospel. Even as so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God, which trieth our hearts. Folks, I want to tell you something. His ministry is proven. Allowed means he was proved. God's not so hard-pressed to use dirty vessels. And God's not so hard-pressed to use unfaithful vessels. You might not be a lot, but you can be faithful. Amen. You might not be as talented as Brother Pete singing, but you can be faithful. You don't have to be called to preach, but you can be faithful. You can be faithful. Young people, you can be faithful now that you're saved. You can be faithful. And thank God you came back. You didn't have to. You chose to come ride that old bus. And so, folks, uh, the ministry was pleasing, but it was also proper. So it says, for neither at any time use we flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak of covetousness, God is witness. So we, we're not in it for the money. Matter of fact, Paul didn't even get paid. He went and, he went and built uh, tents or made tents. And um, it, was, it, was a, it was a proper attitude about flattering. It was a proper attitude about fleecing. A lot of people in it for money. A lot of people in it for uh, reputation. Folks, we ought to be in it for the glory of God. Say amen. So his ministry was God for God's glory. Look at verse 6. It says, Nor of men sought we glory, neither of you, and yet of others, when you might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ. And then I want you to notice also uh, it, was, it was not only uh, proper, and it was not only pleasing, and it was not only proven. Praise God, it was all for his glory. As verse 6 says, we, sought, we didn't seek glory for ourselves. Thank God for that. So many people in it for what they can get. Some people come to church singing, let's make a deal. Folks, it's not that. You ought to be, in, you ought to be grateful God spared your life one more week. You ought to be grateful God has saved your soul. You ought to be grateful that God has called you to make a difference and be his representative. And it ought to motivate you to be faithful. You ought not to be begged, primed, or, or uh, primed to be faithful. 
you ought not be uh, coerced to be faithful. You ought to be faithful because he first was faithful. The death, burial, and resurrection is enough motive for anyone to be faithful. So it was a proper ministry. It was a pleasing ministry. It was all for his glory. But verse 7 again, it's a, it, was a, it, was a, it was a gentle ministry and it was um, a ministry of patience. Because I want you to see the, uh, what he compared himself to. It said in verse 7, For we are gentle among you even as a nurse cherished their children. That's like a mama. Folks, I want to tell you something. Mothers are the most patient people on the earth. Can somebody say amen? How many has raised about 10 of them? I mean children. Amen? It takes patience to be a parent. Amen? It takes patience. As I said um, uh, uh, Sunday night, um, don't don't stay in the safe zone if you want to be a parent. It's going to, it's, you're going to have your heart ripped out. Hey, you, if you stay in the safe zone, you'll never get married because you're afraid somebody will hurt you or reject you or say no. Amen. I mean, for, thank God you'll finally find somebody that says yes. I mean, just keep on proposing. No, don't do that. Uh, no, keep on keep on being in the will of God and find somebody in the will of God. Amen. Amen. But uh, you know, if we play it safe. We'll never uh, meet anybody, never raise any children, never pastor a church. What if I had played it safe 42 years ago and never came to this town because no, the table wasn't set? I mean, there wasn't a, a building. There wasn't a people. I just said, hey, Lord, if, if it's your will, i got to step out by faith. And, uh, folks, God bless his patience. It didn't happen overnight. His ministry was patient, and then it was passionate. I love verse 8. It says, being affectionately desirous of you. We're willing to have imparted to you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls because ye were dear unto us. What's dear unto you? Most people are so hung up on their self, they spend too much time in front of the mirror admiring themselves. Or even working on their sales. It's, it's all right to do that. Little makeups never hurt a, a person, unless you're a man. But, uh, you know, um, God help us to not be in it for ourselves or come for ourselves, but come for God's glory and come to minister to others. He said, Hey, listen, I was affectionately desirous of you while I was getting beat to a pulp, thrown in jail. I was, thought, I was thinking about you. I was thinking about the church at Thessalonica. How did I get there and minister and help them grow? I had a ministry there. I was allowed of the gospel to preach the gospel. It was a sacred trust, and it kept him going. What motivates you? What motivates you? Pat on the back, cash in hand, somebody giving you accolades all the time, writing you up in the bulletin. That shouldn't motivate you. What ought to motivate you is Calvary and your calling. Amen, you're calling. You're called to be faithful. You're called to be God's man. You're called to be a lady of God. Not that you have to, you want to. God, help us. Stop being so temperamental and judgmental and uh, and. Uh, and and worldly in the sense that you want to just have everything go your way, make a way for God. Be faithful in season, out of season. And if Paul can be faithful after thrown in jail and keep on preaching, so can we. We got it easy.
in America. It's going to get harder, especially if those liberals get in, in office. It's going to get a whole lot harder. But I want to tell you something, folks. We need to still go on for God, not give up, hang our heads, no matter what the, the verdict is. Because God still can move. And matter of fact, Brother Jeremy and I was talking about that. A lot of times God sends evil leadership to judge a nation that turns from God. And he might do it again. He might allow it again. God help us. But folks, I'm not going to stop. On November 4th, I'm not going to quit, no matter what the results is. I'd like to rejoice and be surprised again. I was shocked four years ago. But I want to tell you something, friend. God has a plan. And God's plan is for you to get in it and be faithful in season, out of season, and have a ministry that glorifies God, a ministry that's patient, but a ministry that's passionate. Look at verse 8 again. you got to see it. It said, but also our souls. He said, not only did we bring the gospel, but we brought our own souls because you were dear unto us. Are you? Do you have a compassion for those that you minister to? I advise you, if you don't, to get out of the ministry because it'll kill you because of the hurt and the rejection. But if you have a heart for souls and a heart for God, nothing can stop you. You'll go on anyway. You'll be faithful. As Paul was faithful, he gave his own soul. He gave his life. That means his all that he had. I like that. In verse 9, here's the surprise. He had a ministry that was payless. Not only was it passionate, Folks, and, and it, but it was it was payless. Look at verse nine. It says, "For you remember, brethren, our labor, our travail for laboring night and day, because we would not be chargeable unto any of you. We preached unto you the gospel of God. He made his own income. He wouldn't even be chargeable. He didn't take any income. And folks, listen. Uh, uh, his ministry was pure. Verse ten. This is the greatest accolade of a ministry possible." I, I pray to God that this could be said about our church, our church family, and our church ministry. It says in verse 10, I want you to read it very closely. If you have your Bibles, I want you to look at this. It says, you are witnesses in God also. You are witnesses in God also. How holily, I can't hardly say that word, holily and justly and unblameable, we behaved ourselves among you that believe. I don't know many preachers that can say that holily. But folks, I want to live it. And I don't apologize for being holy. I don't apologize for high standards of leadership. You ought to set the example. They ought to know for a fact that they can predict your consistency if you're in leadership. That's right. And that's a great pressure on my soul. That's a great calling on my soul to be faithful when I don't feel like it. To be faithful when people hurt me. And you've been hurt in the ministry. You've been in the ministry. Well, it's just like having children. You'll get hurt. But it's worth it. It's worth it when they, when they, when they uh, come back later on and say, hey, I was wrong. I'm sorry. Uh, I need to live for God now. And I want to repent. It's, it'll be worth it. Don't give up. And so it's a it's a pure ministry. God was our witness. We behaved ourselves among you that believe. Look at verse 11. And you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you 
as a father doth his children. Now, you want to see a father ministry, here it is. Three things a father ought to do. And I taught this at the couples retreat uh, this past weekend. And this is one of the greatest verses on the family in the Bible. It says, you know, we are exhorted and comfort you and charge every one of you as a father doth his children. A father doth his children. And folks, listen, we see some key words. It says exhorted, exhorted. You know, exhorted means um, to come alongside. The greatest exhortation you have for your children is predictability for Christ. Not this up and down, sad and blue, uh, happy one minute, down the next, moody, griping, grumpy, inconsistency. That's not a good pattern. That's not Christ-like. Folks, I want to tell you something. Exhort, exhorted means to encourage. Look at the next word. It says comfort. So I, you know how we exhorted and comforted. So the word exhort means come alongside. That means just be a good example. But comfort means encourage. The, cur the encourager in my life is the Holy Ghost. He comes alongside, and he helps me and comforts me, even convicts me. And I want to tell you something, friend. There is a problem in America that's coming out, a fatherless society. 80% of all major crimes are with children that did not have a father. A father makes a difference. But it's got to be a father that's exhorting, called to one side, comforted. And then I want you to look at a strong word in this verse, and we'll go. It says this, and charged. So you got exhorted, comforted, and charged. What do the words charge mean? Most of you ladies think that's a visa. Not what that means. Amen? Like the fellow one time that was rejoicing over his wife's visa getting stolen. He said, aren't you going to turn it in? Aren't you going to look for it? He says, no, that thief still is spending a whole lot less money than she did. <laughs> Amen? So, you know, she, he was, you'll get it later. He was rejoicing that uh, it was stolen. But I want to tell you something, folks. That charge does not mean that. It's a strong word that means to call a witness against. It's discipline. Discipline. Now, I'm just going to say this. I'm going to say it very clearly. And I deal with men like men. I don't baby you. The Christian life is not for sissies. The Christian life is not for wimps. The Christian life is not for somebody that's easily offended and wants to quit every day. The Christian life is for soldiers, for laborers, for Christian examples like Paul who said, I'm going to charge you. It means I'm going to call to witness against you. I'm going to discipline you when it takes it. Because I can take it, you can take it. And so folks, listen, we ought to exhort, we ought to comfort, but we ought to charge. That means we ought to discipline and when it's a military term, we ought to say, hey, listen, you didn't show up. You didn't march to the orders. You didn't stay in rank. And so I'm going to charge you and command you to be instant in season, out of season, young Timothy. And he goes on in 2 Timothy chapter 4, and he, and he talks about charging him to be, he says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the, and, and, and the dead, in his appearing in the kingdom, 
preach the word. It says be in season, out of season. That means do it when you feel like it. Do it when you don't feel like it. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall heap themselves teachers having itching ears. They shall turn away from their ears from truth and shall turn unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure affliction, do the work of evangelists, make full proof of thy ministry. Then he said, I'm now ready to be offered. Fought a good fight. Does that sound like a sissy to you? He's looking outside the prison. His head's about to be chopped off. And he says, I have finished my course. I've kept the faith. Folks, I don't, I don't know why anybody would doubt the Apostle Paul. And I don't know why he had to write all this chapter defending himself in, in essence. But I want to tell you something, friend. He didn't mind doing it because it was an exhortation to those that follow him. Hey, he said, hey, listen, my ministry has been pleasing. My ministry has been personal. My ministry has been proven. My ministry is proper. My ministry is patient. My ministry is passionate. My ministry is paternal. I exhorted comfort in charge. But let me just give you a couple more in verse 12. We'll go. It says, that ye would walk worthy, worthy of God, who called you into his kingdom and glory. Oh, folks, his ministry was praiseworthy because it wasn't about him. It was about God. Folks, listen, I want to tell you what I encourage you to keep faithful is when you realize it's not about you and it's not about me and it's not about each other. It's about God. It makes us, makes us worthy of acceptance because we're accepted in the beloved and we raise the standard. We don't lower it. And the standard is godliness. The standard is being like Jesus. And the standard is eternal rewards. Look at this, that you should walk worthy of God. He said, don't follow me, as I, but follow me as I follow Christ. Paul's exhorting, he's comforting, he's charging, but he's saying it's all because God is worthy. Praise his holy name. Folks, he has called you into the kingdom and glory. That's eternal. Folks, we're not just doing this for a few weeks. We're not here just to get through this pandemic. We're not here just to get our way or make it more comfortable for us. We're here for eternity's sake. We're here for God's sake. We're here to praise His name and glorify His name and take His name and reach families like it's been reached in the last couple of days. Who knows, maybe one of these young men will be a preacher one day and this young lady might marry a preacher and be a great missionary wife. Who knows? Who knows the potential in one, one convert? If we ever lose that faith, we ought to get out of the ministry and close the doors and, and go some convenient place, some easy place. And so it's praiseworthy. It's praiseworthy. Worthy. He gave a great promise to these believers. It was a promising ministry. I will tell you what it was. He said, I promise you that your life in eternity will be worth it all. He said, glory, glory. He says, he has called you into the, his kingdom and glory. It's not Paul's kingdom. It's not this earth's kingdom. It's eternity, eternity. Folks, listen, there is an eternity 
that we'll be rewarded or we'll be ashamed until the to the judgment seat of Christ. There'll be tears or triumph. We'll either face him ashamed or we'll face him confident that we did what God called us to do and we didn't quit, we didn't recant, we didn't dive into sin and we didn't dive into worldliness. And folks, it's going to be a wonderful day if you've been faithful. It's going to be a sad day if you haven't been. I feel led to read one more verse. Verse John 2.28. Verse John 2.28. When God says read it, I'm going to read it. It says, And now little children, abide in him, and he shall appear. We may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Two crowds at the rapture, confident and ashamed, tearful or triumphant, faithful or unfaithful. I'm talking about Christians now because little children never referred to the lost. Never would you ever call, he'd call little children lost people. It says abide in him. What's that mean? Y'all just stay faithful. To abide in the vine as the branches and let God produce the fruit of holiness. Let God pr produce the fruit of joy, praise, Hebrews 13, 15. Let God produce the fruit of another Christian and magnify Christ in all your life. So let me just say this, and I'll continue this Wednesday week. God's ministry, and Paul's ministry, was validified by his faithfulness, by his love, by his faith, and by his hope. And that's why Paul on every letter that he wrote, commended the churches that he was writing to. First paragraph, look it up. He said, I want to commend you for your faith, and your love, and your hope. You know what hope means? You didn't quit. You didn't give up. You kept praising God. You didn't let the conditions get you down, get you out, get you sad, and get you fearful, where you wouldn't witness to people. Folks, listen, we got a, we got a cause to fight the devil and to lift up the, the bloodstained banner because a lost and dying world needs to see Jesus in our life. Father, use this message. I know we're early, but that's all I feel led to say. And Lord, I pray, dear God, that you'd help us to have a ministry of character. They can't point a finger at us and say you're inconsistent. You're unfaithful. You quit. You dived into sin. You went to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. They didn't give you enough accolades. They didn't pay you enough. They didn't pat you on the back enough. No, Lord, help us to say, Lord, I'm, I want to be faithful because you were faithful. And I'm faithful because you called me. And so, Lord, when we feel like quitting, help us look to Calvary. God, help us to look to eternity and see that forever and ever we will face Him one day face to face. And we'll give account of what we did, why we did it, and how we kept on doing it because, Lord, you called us to be faithful. With every head bowed, every eye closed. I don't know if you need this message or not, but I sure did. Because sometimes I just feel like quitting. Don't you? And sometimes the devil whispers some lies to me and says, I don't think it's worth it. But it is worth it. 
Thank God it'll be eternity to tell it. Paul's chapter is an encouragement to my soul to make your ministry one that's praiseworthy. Let me say, preacher, tonight the Lord spoke to my heart that I want to do what I do for His glory and His honor and His honor only. And I need to die to self to do it. And I need to have more faith. And I want to be that example to the next generation that Jesus is real, that He's relevant, and that He's coming soon. And that's your prayer tonight. Would you slip your hand up high for prayer? God bless you. God bless you. Yes. I see those hands. It's good to respond to the Word of God. Because the Word of God is the Word of God. I'll get to that next week or the week after. Folks, he sounded out the Word of God, not the Word of Paul. Anybody else say, Preacher, pray for me that I'd have more opportunities to preach the gospel, to spread the gospel, to teach the gospel, and to demonstrate the gospel with my life. And that's your prayer also tonight. God bless you, sir. I'll pray for you. Anybody else? Maybe a lady would like to say, I want to just be more faithful be more faithful. Sure have got an eternal reason to be, don't we? One day we'll give account, lay our crowns at His feet, and say, Lord, I did it all for you. Father, in Jesus' name, help we Christians to be good examples, especially these that just got saved and are looking for an example, looking for some holiness, looking for some godliness, looking for some Christ-likeness, May it be found in our hearts and our souls as we minister one to another. That's what I like about the ecclesia, the called out assembly. We can gather together to exhort one another, encourage one another, sometimes even charge one another with our lives. So Lord, I pray for every uplifted hand. And I thank you, dear God, for the grace and strength to be here tonight. And I believe that you spoke it. Because your word is the word of God, not the word of man. I pray it's going to be received in the people's hearts. Lord, if there's one that's lost tonight, maybe they've been on conviction quite a while, maybe since last Wednesday. God, I pray they'd walk the aisle and let us show them from the Bible how to be saved, go to heaven and not hell, and also have the abundant life on this earth before they get there. We'll praise you for that too, in Jesus' name.